Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello again, everybody. It is time for the Mainland Podcast. Once again, we're up to episode number 140. I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. We cover Orlando City SC and the Orlando Pride and uh, and really soccer in general. Uh, joining me, as always, David Rowe up in Tallahassee. How you doing, Dave? Uh, well, <laughs> I guess I'm doing as good as we, we can be uh, for those of us who uh, uh, wear the purple. Um, I... I Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that I've now been on half of every podcast. I believe you are on number 70 of 140, so that would be true. Excellent. And I, have I, feel, a, I feel an one. accomplishment. <laughs> I, I've, I've missed one, so I've been on 139. So that's fun. Um, Slack, slacker. Yes. Uh, literally at times, uh, slacker. Uh, yes. So... I'm going to – I want to be brief this week, and I, I say that every every week, but it never usually works. <laughs> but the reason why is I don't know how long my voice is going to hold up. I went to uh, see The Fix on Thursday, and oh, um, yeah. I didn't have much of a voice at all on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. It started to come back a little bit, but I did a podcast yesterday that was about an hour um, ahead of the college football season because I do some work with college football uh, blogging as well and podcasting. And so I don't know how long it's going to hold up, and nobody wants to hear me anyway, so I will try to keep things brief. <laughs> Dave, let's start out with Orlando City versus Atlanta United. Um, 
really a game that Orlando City played well for half a game and mm-hmm. not well for half a game. Uh, very mm-hmm. much a, a, a team that came out and was um, very energetic the first 45 minutes, uh, kind of frustrated uh, Joseph Martinez a bit. He was dropping deeper and deeper and deeper, chasing the ball deep into his own end because he was trying to get on it and wasn't having any success. Um but then, as luck would have it, a foul that didn't really look like a foul on Orlando turns into a free kick, which turned into a goal because Joe Bendick uh, got a case of the fumbleias and um, decided he was going to muff a... I'm sure he didn't decide it, but he muffed a free kick. It bounced in front of him. He couldn't handle it. Uh, Gonzalez Pires puts it in, and it's just a very, very disheartening uh, goal to give up to go behind 1-0. Yeah, especially, like you said, the team had come out and, and was playing pretty good ball. They were playing aggressively. Um, uh, Joe has just not been good this year. I, I know we've said that before, but it, it those types of um, muffs didn't happen to him previously, or at least, you know, prior to the season, or at least that, that he did for Orlando city. Um, it wasn't, it's not what we had expected from him. Now it's at this point in the season, I guess we should. Um, and that was why there was a debate about who should be, you know, in goal anyway. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was like you say, very disheartening. Uh, it just kind of bounces off of him, and he can't, can't collect. And, and there you go. Yeah, not the kind of ball you'd think he'd have trouble with. I mean, it didn't take a crazy bounce. No. It was uh, he had a good view of it the whole way in, and uh, you know, it didn't. It wasn't like an astroturf skip or anything. And you know, at that point, if you have any doubt whatsoever, if you can handle it cleanly, and he must not have had any doubt, you you have to punch. And uh, you know, he went to to catch it. It bounced off his chest, and then uh, Gonzalez Perez basically forced it through him and in, in into the net for the opener, which was very disheartening. But uh, Orlando City hit back before the half with a, an unbelievable goal from Scott Sutter. It was a, a, mm-hmm. a, a, a great attacking movement. Chris Mueller gets it to Will Johnson. I've never seen Will be this delicate before, but what a great flick, a backheel flick from Will. Lays, lays it off right in the path of Sutter, who just smashed it. And that thing was knuckling all over the place, didn't give Brad Guzan a chance and uh, made it 1-1. Uh, and that's the way it was going into the break. And you were feeling, you know, pretty good. I mean, uh, if you had asked me before the match uh, if I thought that going into <laughs> half we would be 1-1, I'd probably have laughed. Um, I would have expected it to be 2-0 at that point. Um, so uh, that was, that. you know, that was pretty nice. And, and Sutter's strike, like you said, was uh, fantastic. I mean, I mean, he really launched that thing. Um, so, uh, I don't know. It was up until that point. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't think that we were going to win or even, you know, draw, but I, I still felt that, Hey, at least we're, you know, we're keeping it close. Yeah. The, uh, the teams came back out in the second half and you thought, well, you know, maybe this, if you can get the next goal, maybe you can at least get a draw out of this thing. Uh, even if, uh, Atlanta gets a goal in the second half, you know, the key for me was trying to not give up, you know, two or three goals in a few minutes. Uh, the barrage that the team has been given up uh, the second half of the season. And, you know, the they came out with just not quite as much energy. Atlanta made a little bit better um, effort to hold on to the ball, be a little bit more careful, a little bit more precise. There was not as much pressuring from Orlando. So you, it just looked like Orlando was 
I mean, not really parking the bus. At least that wasn't the intent, but it kind of looked like they were because uh, there, there wasn't as much pressure. They weren't forcing the ball back the way they did in the first half. I think some of that is probably due to uh, the tiring of uh, Carlos Asquez, who had not played in a while and uh, was making his debut only a few days after joining the team for training. Um, I think that probably had something to do with it because he played phenomenally in the first half. And yes. It was, uh, it was one of the big reasons why Orlando was so good at, um, you know, handling Martinez and Almiron. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really, he was really doing a great job of, of cutting attacks down and, and forcing Atlanta to go into areas where they didn't want to go. And it was, uh, it was nice to see. He also was uh, able to lead a couple of counters. It, it, you know, he had a really great debut, I thought. And, you know, it, it, as he tired, it looked like the defense started to give up more and more chances. And it was only kind of a matter of time. But the, the really bad thing was it didn't even really come off of an Atlanta sustained possession it was uh, when when the breakthrough finally came for martinez was uh, just off a lost ball by chris mueller and we saw him have some heavy touches on on friday night and uh, he had some opportunities to get in behind on long balls just perfectly placed over the defense he ran onto him got under him and would take a heavy touch and have to go to the corner or or uh, you know take a few steps to regather the ball before and by the time he did the defense was back in in shape and, and in position and and attacks broke down that way and on this particular uh you know chance you know it was a it was a poor give and go attempt and uh he you know sort of just dribbled it right off his foot onto the defender's foot and and he went down in a heap and uh you know atlanta broke just a quick give and go to to gressel and gressel uh, gets it to martinez who uh just with a great pass that kind of went in a little bit behind uri rosell and that put him in behind and uh it was not it was not something Joe was able to uh, deal with, and uh, Martinez scored the the game the game winner and the record-breaking goal, and then he got in Joe's face because I guess you got to get in Joe's face when you're beating the last place team in the conference. Sure, because I mean, <laughs> especially you know as well as uh, that last place team has been playing, and as well as uh, Joe's been playing, because you know, um, I, do you think that uh, somebody got in their ear and said, hey, you know, if you, you score, make sure you make it look like a rivalry or something? No, I think um, he was asked about that after the game, actually. And I wasn't there, but I was I was talking to uh, Mike Gramajo, Gramajo, who was working for MLSsoccer.com. And uh, he was saying uh, Joseph Martinez was was asked about that he said that Joe was complaining about how long it was taking Atlanta to take corner kicks which Atlanta was taking a long freaking time to take corner kicks um, <laughs> right. I don't know what they were setting up because they ended up taking most of them short anyway um, but uh, I don't know why that would bother him that he would that the complaints were coming because any normal rational soccer player would complain about someone taking two minutes to set up a corner kick. But he said something uh, that stuck out. I'm paraphrasing because it was in Spanish and I, I didn't hear it directly. Uh, so I'm paraphrasing. But what he basically said was that Orlando City always plays way over its head against Atlanta, but Atlanta's still Orlando's daddy. Oh, so, okay. You know, he's he is feeding into the rivalry, whether it's manufactured or not, I don't know. But um I would not say that Orlando City has played over its head against Atlanta. The games no. have been mostly close, but I don't necessarily think Orlando City's played great in most of the games against Atlanta. They've played pretty good in a couple of the games last year, 
and pretty good in the first game, the first meeting this season, I thought Orlando played real well against them, but Orlando was really on a roll in that game. Um, they were playing, they were, they were firing on all cylinders, had won six games in a row. It was not like it was, it wasn't against their run of form in other words. And, it, and then this right. weekend they played a great 45 minutes, but it never looked in the second half like they were ever going to get the go ahead goal. No, and like you said, I mean the the presence of Carlos Askews obviously made a difference. And once he tired, then that that difference maker is is, is no longer as effective. So mm-hmm. yeah. I I don't know that uh, this is MLS is trying to make this a rivalry so much that oh, it's, they put it on rivalry week. Yeah, they well yeah there you go. So I mean. It's it's annoying, and it's annoying that we're losing to them. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've got you know friends who are Atlanta fans, and it, you know I have to hear it from them. So <laughs> uh, it it would be it would be nice to you know get a um, get a win over these guys at some point. But at the same time, you know I'm not. Uh, you and I both in other sports have much more hated rivals than than this is. You know I don't have that much animosity. Uh, at least not enough to it was more of a question of, of why is he getting in Joe's face rather than you know hey Joe clap back at him or something yeah it kind of came out of nowhere because I didn't see Joe ever give him any stick you know directly it was uh you know Martinez doesn't take the corner kick so it was directed towards Al Miron and guys like that so um it was weird but yeah you're right I, I mean I still hate New York City more than I hate Atlanta. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, but, you know, it is it is what it is. So, anyway, uh, 2-1. Orlando only had two shots, two shot attempts in the second half. Uh, they did bring on some youngsters. They brought in uh, Pierre De Silva to try to, to get something going. And he had a couple good moments. You know, was he did look he looked like a, a guy who had played one minute of MLS action coming into the game <laughs> at times, but he did do some good things and you can see that there's some talent there. And, yeah. uh, you know, you just got to, you just got to hope that he's going to put it all together. He's still a young kid. I know a lot of people have been wanting to see more and more of him and you will, but um, you know, he's just not quite ready. I think a lot of us that saw him at OCB could see that, that he's, he's got that potential. He's got some upside, but it's still a bit raw. And um, it's not quite there yet. But uh, and also Jose Villarreal came on really late and um, didn't really make any impact in the game. But two uh, one, another loss. Surprise, surprise. And um, for me, Carlos Asquez was man of the match. What do you think? I was going back and forth between uh, him and Sutter. Um, it's it's almost a 50 50 with me. But um, given that it was his uh, debut. I, I'm going to agree and, and go with Carlos just for, uh, you know, uh, pretty much imposing as well for, you know, at least 45 minutes. Yeah, and Sutter, I can't argue with that. Sutter had a really great game, uh, not only offensively, but defensively. There wasn't really much Atlanta attack up his side. Most yeah. of it came, of course, uh, down PC's side. <laughs> go go <laughs> figure once again. Although, <laughs> You know, PC takes a lot of grief, and probably rightfully so, for some of the performances he's had. But I did think he looked much better against Atlanta than what we've seen. And I think he's been better each game than the previous game since he's gotten a few starts in a row. Well, and that's all you can really hope from a player is that they're going to get better. Um, You know, you mentioned Mueller with a heavy touch earlier, and um, 
you know, he, he started out the year so good. We had such high hopes, but I think that, um, it's, people need to remember that, you know, he's a rookie. Um, there are parts of his game that he needs to still develop. And that's, you know, first touch has been obvious all year that that's, that's something that he, you know, he does have to work on. So, uh, you know, the fact that, uh, there are young guys like that and PC as well, that, uh, and Pierre de Silva, since we're talking about all these young guys that, that have parts of their game that need developing, well, duh, they're, they're young. Um, and if we can get some of the good stuff out of them, you know, while they're developing, that's, you know, that's about the best you can hope for. Indeed. And, uh, you know, in addition to Asquez uh, getting his uh, first action, we saw the return of Jonathan Spector, which was nice. It's been a while since uh, we've had Specs on the pitch, and he definitely looked laboring, uh, looked to be laboring late in the game because, of course, mm-hmm. he's not been playing much lately. Uh, but, I mean, I think it was pretty obvious with Specter on the field, the defense is better. He, you know, he cleared a few of Joe's rebounds that really could have could have put the game away early for Atlanta uh, mm-hmm. with the ball bouncing around in the box. He made some, a really nice 1v1 play uh, to just throw off Martinez on basically a tap-in, and Martinez missed the net. Um, it was a good night by Specs, and uh, it shows why this team needs him healthy, really. Very much so. Uh, he's the general back there. I mean, he's the one that's directing everything. Uh, he has the experience. He has the the vision. You know, the no knowing where to place not just himself but other. Uh, you know, his partner in the center back uh, position. So it's incredibly important. And the fact that we've had 18 bazillion center back pairings this season goes to show how important that really is. All right. Well, uh, the. Lions will get after it again this weekend against the Philadelphia Union. We'll have more on that later in the show. And uh, now is the time of the episode where if we're going to have audio problems, we'll probably have them now because we're going to talk about the pride. And it seems like <laughs> the last few weeks we've had some audio issues. And we've uh, last week I was able to cut most of those out. Uh, the week before, the the time before that, uh, when the, the Pride last played and we talked about them, there were major issues, and I, we apologize. I have no idea why the recording was doing that, but it was no fun to, to listen to for, for you guys, I'm sure, but hopefully we'll get through it. The Pride had a must-win game, Dave, and the Pride did not win. No, they they did not, and uh, that's, that's all she wrote, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I mean, I know they still have a match, but... Um... Uh, so long playoffs and um, hello, uh, what the heck are we going to do now? Yeah, it was not a good game by the Pride. Uh, they they kind of had some moments early and then the sort of the Red Stars came into the game. But it was, it was just one of those games where it was nil-nil forever and then right before the half, just two awful plays and they're both in the net and it's 2-0. It was just... More of the same stuff from the Pride. It was momentary lapses, either turning it over in the midfield and giving the other team uh, a you know a, a, a chance on the counter, or it's just horrible defending. And that those were both on display for goals one and two. The the first one, uh, Sam Kerr gets in behind. Here's what I don't get about the Pride this year: the back line get, is letting really good players get in behind and yet they're playing deep they're playing too deep they're playing yeah. too far back and it's it's allowing the other team to control the midfield because they're not keeping a compact shape so 
you should you would think that if they're dropping, they would at least be able to keep people from getting in behind. But that's not help. That's, that's not happening either. So they're doing multiple things wrong. And these are veteran players that know better. These are these are mm-hmm. you know you got Ali Krieger, veteran of many many he 98 U.S. caps. You got Shalina Zadorsky, Canadian national team starter at center back. So it's it's it boggles my mind when people are saying. This is all on Tom Sermani. It's his fault. This team has too much talent. He should not have to tell these center backs where to be. They know right. where to be. So why aren't they getting there is my question. And not, nobody seems to know the answer. The players don't know why they're not being you know, put in the right positions or, or you know, being in position during the game. The coaches don't know why. They say they're doing you know, every, everything they're supposed to be doing and, and giving them the information they need. Uh, which you would expect them to say, even if they weren't. But it, it is beyond Tom Sermani. The problems with this team are not just Tom Sermani. They may include Tom Sermani, but sure. they are not just solely related to him. This is a team that's disconnected and does not play together. And you have that sometimes. You have teams that you know, are, are, are very close-knit and maybe not quite as talented that play maybe above their level sometimes. And sometimes when you send some of those players away and bring in bigger names sometimes it just doesn't work and it it looks like to me that's what's happened this season for the pride it just seems like they have not they have not figured out how to play together they're not as close you can tell when they're you know they 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 kind of break into groups and 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 keep to their you know they're they're not as close knit this this year they just don't seem like it and to me the biggest thing is that this team did have the talent to challenge for the championship. Now they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not even a top four team. And um, it's it may cost Tom Sermani his job, which is, is rough. But, you know, it's hard to say that another coach would have done a better job with this group because sometimes the group is – if the group is fractured, it doesn't really matter who's leading them. True. Um, I, I think, obviously, as – you know, coach manager, I, he does have, you know, a certain amount of responsibility that right. he needs to be held accountable for. Nobody right. is arguing that. So, um, that get that out of the way, but I don't think anybody who has watched this team feels that they've ever been on the same page with each other. Um, there's been glimpses and moments, you know, I mean, even the goal in that game where, you know, uh, Marta and Morgan looked like, they used to um but generally speaking it's not been uh, like i said they're not communicating i mean they're not on the same wavelength whatever little statement you want to make that says exactly that that's that's how it's been and it's been that way all season and and we're comparing it to as you know a season last year where um morgan was gone for the first part with leon comes mm-hmm. back and slots right in and every everything's going along great and they uh, go on a terrific run and so you know uh, i i don't have the answers any more than the players or tom Smarty does you know if i did i guess i'd i'd be uh you know putting it in for a job application but um something was off with the chemistry i don't know if uh, you know who uh who kicked whose dog or or what happened but um they uh it it's not been good and and i i it's a, it's such a shame cuz like you say the the amount of talent on that team should be something that allows you to 
challenge for the championship, let alone get in the playoffs. And yet here we are. And um, where we go from here or where the, the team goes from here, uh, I think is going to be, it'll, it'll be very interesting. Is there, you know, is Sermani out? Um, does Alex go to LA? Does, you know, what happens? It, it, there's, there's going to, for the off season, we're going to have plenty to talk about it in regards to the bride. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how the front office addresses uh, the the failures this year and what, how they respond to that. It, it's certainly something I'm 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 looking forward to seeing. Um, again, and and I don't want to come off as an apologist for Tom. I have issues with Tom playing Marta up top when I think she should be the connective tissue in the midfield. Uh, I have problems with playing Chia Bogagu when she has shown clearly this year that she will dribble into trouble she will keep her head down and miss runs she will take on two defenders rather than uh, you know trying to get to one pos- one spot instead of uh, maybe pulling the ball back and she'll cross the ball in repeatedly right to the other team's goalkeeper so um, she's not been good enough this year and and she's not the only one I'm not going to single her out but there are there are players on the team that have shown that they have not consistently been good or they have been consistently not good and haven't been replaced. Uh, Chi was doing well early in the year, even for all the other things she was doing wrong, at least she was finding the net occasionally and and helping the team win points. But um, it kind of the wheels fell off for her. And I don't know if it's confidence or what it was, but um, you know, for all that athletic ability she has, it, it really, you would have expected more from her. You would have expected more from Rachel Hill after the year she had in Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, you would have expected much more from Alana Kennedy, uh, whether it be at center back or in the midfield. She really struggled this year and continued to struggle, uh, <laughs> giving up a ridiculous goal uh, to make it three when she basically turned it over, really hustled hard to win it back, and then lost it again to Sam Kerr yeah. right in front of the net. Uh, it was it was just to get rid of it. it she, she, I know why she lost it the first time. She held it too long. She was looking for options that she didn't have. But in that position on the field, boot the ball down the field. <laughs> if you don't have an option, just get it out of there. Um, right. And, and instead, you know, it ends up being three nil and putting the game away. Even though Morgan got a late consolation goal, it was nice to see uh, Alex Morgan score a goal. It was nice to see anybody score a goal for the Pride, <laughs> actually, uh, the way that the team has not been scoring of late. So 3-1 Chicago. Um, as uh, weird as it sounds, when you give up three, my player of the match is Ashlyn Harris, who kept that game close for as long as it was. <laughs> yeah, you know, if if they had any kind of offense going on, and not just this game, but, you know, other than Morgan scoring for the, the women's national team, which she seems to be able to do, just can't seem to do it for the pride this year. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, um, like you say, uh, some of those goals were you, – you give it up to Sam Kerr right in front, front of the net. The, the, Sam Kerr's going to score. So um, some of that is not, is not her fault. So I, I, I would agree with you on Harris. So Harris won uh, save of the week, by the way, again. Um and, uh, you know, of course, uh, Sam Kerr was named NWSL Player of the Week, and Joseph Martinez was MLS Player of the Week. So if you played Orlando this week, congratulations on your award. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's not the first time this has happened this year. Uh, it's happened on the men's side quite a bit. Uh, but there, there you have it. Uh, no Pride game this weekend. The uh, women are off for 
an international break, the U.S. women's national team will play a pair of friendlies against Chile, which uh, no Megan Rapino. She has a rib injury, has been replaced by Amy Rodriguez. Shouldn't matter. The U.S. should kick the crap out of Chile in both games, so we really don't have to talk too much about that. Nope. Uh, expect, now, Alex, expect Alex to score because that's what she's been doing yes, for them. Yes. <laughs> so if you like, yeah, if you like watching Alex Morgan score goals and you didn't get to see enough of it in purple, uh, just watch the two friendlies. Uh, she should do well. Uh, the Pride will finish up the week after against uh, Sky Blue on the road. Congratulations in advance to Sky Blue for their first victory of the year. Absolutely. I mean, we're <laughs> if, we're not if not magnanimous here, and and uh, it, it'll it'll be really nice to you know a way for them to, to end their season. Yeah, I don't want that to sound smart, Alecky. I just have seen the way the Pride has played uh, of late, and they have not looked good, and they have not looked really like they want to be on the field together. So um, Sky Blue has everything to play for with one game to play, and the Pride have nothing to play for, and the way they've been playing and the fact that they're on the road and the fact that Sky Blue has confidence because they've been able to play this team tw- twice uh, and play close both games, mm-hmm. uh, I see no reason... Why Sky Blue shouldn't be favored in that game? No, uh, the only thing that the Pride would have to play for is Pride, and yet they haven't shown that they've been wanting to do that the last, you know, several weeks or even longer. So, uh, uh, I'm a huge Pride fan. I want them to win. I hope they win, but it won't surprise me if they don't. All right. Well, why don't we turn our attention to this week's guest? We have a little bit of a preview of Orlando City against Philadelphia. We're going to bring in our special guest to talk about the upcoming matchup. We'll do that right after this. Joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, we're happy to have with us from Brotherly Game, the uh, co-managing editor uh, Matt Ralph is with us. Matt, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Lions and Union. Now, Orlando City went up to Philadelphia and got the win earlier in the season when we had good Orlando City. Now that we have bad Orlando City, I think we uh, might be in a little bit of trouble, but I, I'm just curious to think um, with how Philadelphia has played this year, uh, what you think we might see on Saturday. Well, on Saturday we have oh, we actually have a game tomorrow night, so uh, it's a little little tricky thinking about Saturday right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Union, Union play uh, at DC in the new stadium for the first time, so I think that game could have a lot to say about Saturday as well. You know, if the Union continue this little run run of good form they've been on, you know, they're going to have even more momentum on the road. Uh, this is a typically a team that that does. Plays, plays very poorly on the road, and that that's one of the things I think that's probably the difference uh, and the difference maker in terms of there being uh, you know sort of a, a, a optimistic outlook right now for the fan base and for the for the club. Certainly, the club has been uh, pushing this uh, this narrative that to believe the hype, and so I, you know they've won four four games on the road. They won. One one road game last year at DC, <laughs> one uh, two road games the year before. So, you know, I don't know how how I don't know how long they can push this, but I think I think tomorrow night's probably going to be a, a bit of a struggle in DC. And you know, if they kind of they kind of lose a little bit of that momentum going into Saturday, could be uh, could be a difficult uh, test for them with such a quick turnaround after playing 
playing uh, playing a tough ECT. Well, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Uh, uh, quick turnaround. <laughs> None of that seems to matter for us. Uh, uh, being at home, being away. Um, Losing is what we're doing right now. So uh, we're also no stranger to streaks. Um, what's it? Uh, you, you mentioned you guys are on, on quite the run. What has uh, the atmosphere been like, um, you know, for the supporters, given this run of good form? You know, I think it's I think it's improved, certainly. I mean, when you win, the, the atmosphere is naturally going to be a little bit better. So a lot of empty seats, you know, there's, there's some momentum building from – from the wins, I think there's a little more motivation to go out to the, the game when you, you know you're going to see, you know, there's a good chance you're going to see a win. Um, but, you know, it, it's a streak, but it, it's, it's a streak that feels like a long one because this team really hasn't put together many wins this, uh, many wins in a row this season. So it is, it is exciting, but I think it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, they played all their, all their Open Cup games at home, which has helped them. You know, they, so... They, they won an Open Cup game, and they've won three straight in the league. Uh, I think one of the PR guys for the Union tweeted out they've won six straight games against Eastern Conference foes, uh, which is, I guess, is a way to, to sort of say that they're on a streak without counting the 3 nothing loss at Portland a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. So, <laughs> uh, you know, there's... <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm... I'm uh, I'm kind of enjoying the ride, but, you know, at the same time being kind of cautiously optimistic that we've seen, we've seen this team, you know, do some positive things in previous years. And then the, the, the wheels kind of fall off once September rolls around. And so I think Saturday will be the start of September, right? So, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm maybe not feeling as, as good as some of the fans are, some of the other fans are right now. They're, uh, you know, there's, it, yeah, it, it's Philly, right? So Philly's like, you know, kind of can can be too too overly enthusiastic about a team when they're doing well, and maybe uh, maybe overly uh, negative when they're not when they're not doing so well. So, so uh, although I would say the Philly, I, I always hear every year the Phillies going to win the World Series, even when they're not that great of a team. I, I, I haven't I've yet to hear anyone say. It. The union are going to win MLS Cup, so maybe uh, maybe this is a chance for the union fan base to maybe start to catch up with the other the other teams in town, where there's that 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 ongoing optimism that you know this is the, this team's going to win something, even when all evidence points to them not winning. Well, I don't know what it's like for the wheels to fall off in September because ours usually fall off in May, but uh, <laughs> I would like to know. What's different about the Union now than uh, the first, you know, couple of months of the season when it didn't seem like Philadelphia was was getting much of anything right on the pitch? Yeah, I mean, yeah, certainly that game that early it was at, what two 0 Orlando, I think was the was the final for that one. Uh, you know, at the time, at the time, the you know, the Union, you know, were still trying to figure out. You know, they had Borg Dufal. Um, he was still relatively new. You know, he showed up really late uh, in terms of the time frame with preseason. And so, you know, there were some question marks, you know, is this, this guy the right fit? Is he going to, is he going to perform the way they need the team needs him to? And he's really figured it out. I mean, he's, you know, he's one of the, you know, he's one of the top assists, uh, you know, assists has one of the highest assist totals in the league. You know, he's, he's creating, he's creating goals. He's scoring them. He's, he's really helped, I think, spark, the offense, uh, you know, in a positive way, where 
you know, I think the first, I forget over the first six, eight games, they just weren't scoring goals at all. So, um, you know, that's, that's been a big difference. They've, you know, they've kind of gone through, they've gone through, some, you know, a couple of changes, you know, they've had a couple of the 19 year olds, uh, center back pairing in the back. They've also had Jack Elliott, who's kind of come back into the team and he's done really well pairing with Austin Trusty. So, you know, and they always have Andre Blake. So, um, whether the, the defense is looking tough to break down or not, Andre Blake is always going to be tough to score on. And, and that was kind of what New England experienced uh, the other night where they had a couple really, you know, really great goal-scoring opportunities. And, and, you know, you think it's going to hit the back of the net and there's there's a Andre Blake popping up with, a, with another save. So uh, so it's really, I think, the key has been the offense. The, the You know, against NYCFC, which is actually really the only win that has really impressed me in this win streak, um, you know, because NYCFC obviously is, you know, you know, top of the table team. And the way they moved the ball was just, was, was unlike anything I've ever seen from the union. You know, there was, there were, there were the first 12 minutes of the, the second half is really when they won the game because they just, you know, they get, they get the ball and they were just moving, passing so well and making, you know, really just carving apart NYC. And, you know, that's how they were able to get the goals they needed to win the game. Uh, you mentioned uh, some of the guys, obviously, that, you know, we would have thought of, you know, Blake, et cetera. Um, who is something or who is somebody that uh, Orlando fans should be, you know, keeping an eye on that maybe um, they're not familiar with? Well, Corey Burke has been the story through through the, the last couple of weeks, and, you know, maybe even more than that. Uh, you know, he's someone who has started seven games for the union and he's scored seven goals. He's scored in six of those seven starts for them and the union are unbeaten when he starts. So, so he's really been a, been an X factor for the union. He's someone who, you know, he's a Jamaican international. He played uh, for two seasons with Bethlehem steel, you know, was on a USL contract. So, you know, he's, he was kind of under the radar in that respect. And CJ Sapong has just not, not been able to find the back of the net and, you know, it, it got to the point where, you know, and Jim Curtin had to try try something else. And the, the recent shift has been playing CJ Sapong out wide, uh, which you might remember he did a little, he did a lot actually with SKC. You know, him and Kai Kamara kind of created that, you know, sort of that uh, pretty dynamic pairing there where uh, Sapong would be out wide and Kamara would be up top. And so they've kind of recreated that a little bit here in, uh, in, in Philadelphia where, Burke has kind of been good for a goal about every time he starts. And Sapong isn't scoring, but he's contributing in other ways. So I think taking that pressure off Sapong, putting him out wide where he doesn't ha- he doesn't have to be the guy scoring the goals has really, I think, helped him. And you know, having a guy, you know, that's what you want from your from your guy up top, your number nine, you want him to score goals. And that's, that's what Burke has done. And the union have kind of ridden ridden his hot hand, really, to, 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 the, to the wins that they've gotten. Uh, you know, the win over New England was somewhat controversial because the, the flag was up when Burke, when Burke was uh, making his run. And, you know, it was allowed to continue, and he scored the goal. And then VAR looked at it and confirmed that it was a goal. So it was a little bit of a weird uh, situation because he was celebrating by himself and because uh, everyone you know, saw the flag and, he made uh, made quite a show of celebrating a goal that, uh, if not for technology, would not have been allowed. So, uh, but that's that's the kind of that's kind of the way things are going for him. 
that he, you know, he, he avoided, uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty big embarrassment there by, uh, by the, by the, by the help of the, the video review. <laughs> well, the, um, you know, if memory serves, and it often does not these days, uh, I believe Corey Burke uh, was the guy who scored a late goal against OCB that really ultimately knocked OCB out of the playoffs last year. Um, just with a couple games left, I think that was a, a huge game because uh, teams around OCB, oh, yeah. uh, I think the teams around OCB had tiebreaker advantages, and it was really created like a must-win for OCB in the final game against um I don't remember if it was Tampa or what, but uh, they didn't win the last game anyway. But I think it it would have made it difficult. And I think as it shook out, it wouldn't have mattered if they won that game because I think that was essentially it because the, of the other results. But uh, So I think Corey Burke has hurt uh, Orlando in the past. Um, you know, Matt, before we let you get out of here, I'd certainly be interested in hearing your thoughts on what the key matchups will be in this game. Like what – where is this game going to be won or lost by either team? And, and what is your final score prediction? Oh boy. So, uh, you know, I think, I think really it's, uh, it's going to be on, it's really going to be on the union because they're the, they're the team that's, that's playing well. So they're, it's really going to be on them continuing the momentum again. I don't, I don't know right now what's going to happen tomorrow night and how, how that might impact uh, Saturday. You know, there could be, you know, Someone could get injured. You know, you never never know what might happen. Mm-hmm. But I really think it's going to be on the union to, to to prove that they can go into Orlando on the road and and, and really you know play their game the way they've been playing it. And so uh, I think the key is really going to be you know like I said mentioned Corey Burke and uh, Dust Powell and, and and you know one person we didn't mention was Bedoya who's been um, as good as he's ever been in a union uniform. Um, he's someone who's who's just, you know, you watch him play lately, and he is just, you know, everything he does is the right decision. Every, you know, he, he's making passes, he's making runs, he's, you know, he's doing the kind of stuff that, 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 may, that, that he should be doing as a, uh, you know, he's brought in, he was the first, uh, you know, the first real, you know, million-dollar man for the union. So, um, so that's going to be key for them, just really to continue to do what they, they've been able to do, um, Obviously, again, I, you know, I'm skeptical that that they can pull out a, a win in Orlando on Saturday. Uh, more skeptical, I think, than you guys are. But uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, but, I was gonna say, why? <laughs> yeah, we don't have any. <laughs> well, just because uh, because it is it, it's a it's a it's a road game and it's a team that that you know has a can has a history of finding ways to. To lose games on the road, whether it be you know you know oh, sending off or something, or uh, I mean even you know Corey Burke when he scored his first goal, you know he got sent off you know, 20 minutes later or whatever it was. <laughs> so um, you know, but they did eventually win that game in Montreal, which is their first win uh, road win since uh, May of 2017. So so uh, you know I, I again I, you know I'm not a I'm not a gambler, but. I don't. I don't want to keep. I don't want to keep betting on this team winning on the road because they've they've had so little success. Uh, again, they've won four games this year on the road after winning one in 2017 and two in the year before. So I'm going to have to go with a one-one draw. Um, I think I think a point would be would be sufficient at the especially if they get three tomorrow, which I don't think they're going to get three tomorrow. So 
I, I think they'll come home with two points uh, from, uh, from this two-game swing, and they'll still be in good shape for the playoffs. Wow. Dave, we might get to talk about a point next week. Woohoo! <laughs> it's been a while since we've gotten to do that. Uh, Matt, where can people find you on the interwebs uh, in terms of your work and uh, social media? Well, obviously, brotherlygame.com, and you know, I, I tweet a lot at brotherlygame, and then also Matt Ralph underscore uh, TPG, where I, I I write a lot about the union and the steel and college soccer and uh, lots of amateur soccer as well. Outstanding, Matt Ralph. Thanks so much for being with us on the podcast. We uh, we look forward to talking to you again down the road, and uh, you know, each team has won a game in this series. This year, obviously, the, the Open Cup went to Philadelphia. The early season uh, game went to Orlando. This is kind of the rubber match. So we'll, we'll see what happens on Saturday night. And thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Good talking to you guys. All right. Uh, big thanks to Matt Ralph, who is uh, busy. I know what those double game weeks are like, and um, they're, they're a lot of work. So I know that I appreciate Matt coming on and uh, spending some of his uh, evening with us uh, as we record this on Tuesday night. It'll go live on Wednesday. I'm assuming that the, the union play Wednesday night. He kept saying tomorrow, which would be today. So if you're getting confused, <laughs> that's probably why. So if you get this thing on the day it drops, uh, every time he said tomorrow, he really means today. And um, unless they play Thursday, in which case he was doing it right, and I've just totally screwed your uh, your whole thing up. So, uh, but thank, I, thanks to Matt. Pretty sure they play today, yeah. as in Wednesday. All right. Uh, I guess I could look it up, but I can't be bothered right now because um, <laughs> I cannot even with soccer right now. Uh, yes, it's hard to even do anything. I mean, right in now. addition to all the crap I got to put up with Orlando, I watched Manchester United on Monday, and um, that comedy of errors. Uh, oh, that uh, Josie Mourinho calls center backs. If only he'd requested that Woodward buy him some center backs. Oh, wait, he did. <laughs> hmm. Maybe he should have listened. Uh, yeah. Anyway. And there was the whole thing of the post-game interview, too. That was interesting. Well, you knew it was going to be weird as soon as uh, the way that game went. But uh, really, yeah. the tone was set early when Big Rom missed a, an empty net and uh, it never, never recovered from from that that could have set the tone and it did set the tone just didn't set it the right way for for my team anyway uh which reminds me of uh the k rollins tweet um friday night uh, i hate this team more than arsenal she said um referring to atlanta united <laughs> <laughs> she's a stoke city fan so of course uh very yeah. hated uh, rival arsenal uh, for Stoke fans. Anyway, um, enough about the EPL suddenly. This is an EPL podcast. Uh, let's get to Ask the Mainland Podcast anything, Dave. Let's do it. All right, so you can do it two ways. You can ask us literally anything two different ways. You can hit us up on Twitter. We are at the mainland, and you can hit us with that hashtag, AskTMLPC. Uh, or you can do it the old-fashioned way and email us. We are themainland at gmail.com. Remember to spell Maine like a lion's mane, please. M-A-N-E for those of you with limited vocabularies. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I don't mean to make fun of people. I don't. A lot. Of, my dad's the worst speller I know, uh, which is funny because I'm, uh, you know, I went into journalism and <laughs> was really good. At, almost was an English teacher actually at one point. But uh, yeah, and, I, and I, I always 
emphasize the M-A-N-E like lion's mane, just like you do. It's, yes. it's become a habit when I'm yes. talking to people about the uh, the podcast or the uh, or the website. Yes, people people like to spell words incorrectly, and then they get into the rut of doing it over and over. And I, we see it in our comments section. There's one guy who writes just <laughs> – he writes books in the comments section about the pride, and he cannot spell Christine Naren's last name. He spells it N-A-R-I-N instead of N-A-I-R-N, and it just never stops. He just will never spell it the correct way. And we have another guy who will not put the L on El Munir. It's always just Munir. <laughs> I'm like, who's the moon? Who's this Munir guy? <laughs> but you know, we all have our quirks. Anyway. Um, Lots of questions to get to in Twitter. Didn't get any in the email box, so if you sent something to our Gmail account this week, um, it must have bounced because we didn't get it. Um, and we do have a few guys or a couple guys who regularly email the questions, but uh, I have just refreshed and see nothing in the mailbox. So let's get to those Twitter questions. We'll start with Luke's29. On Twitter says, with Asquez playing as a central defensive midfielder too, what are you expecting our midfield to look like with options such as Kleshton, Igita, Yuri, Yotun, Johnson, and Asquez? Um, Dave, you want to start with this one? Sure. Um, I would, if if it was I and I was putting the uh, the lineup out there, I would have, uh, given how Asquez has played, um, uh, and knowing that I, I have some guys that could come in behind him, I would I would start him. Um, I think he and Yuri did pretty well together, so I would have Yuri out there. Um, obviously, Yotun needs to be on the field if he's healthy, and then uh, Clushin, uh up there uh, in the attack. So those would be the four guys that I would I would have out there, um, assuming that I'm running. Um, for midfielder uh, formation uh, that and that nicely leaves um, both uh, Higita and Johnson uh, to come on and, and spell and, and uh, both of them would be good in that capacity um, you could make arguments for any of them I think but uh, that would be my that that would be how I would do it I think that maybe we're seeing the beginning of James O'Connor uh, trying to go toward a 3-4-3, in which case I think Asquez will be asked to play one of the three center back positions, um, okay. which I think will leave your your four your four men in the middle, because I think that would push Sasha up to the three up top, although he would probably be playing a, a little bit withdrawn. Um, I think that would leave your four in the middle to be Yotun, um, Igita, Rossell, and... Maybe Johnson, um, but probably maybe a little bit more of a dynamic offensive player. Maybe Mueller. Not really sure uh, how it'll go with a 3-4-3. If he stays with the, what we've been seeing, um, I think uh, Asquez and Higita would be a pretty formidable uh, mm-hmm. duo at the central defensive midfield. Uh, you know, um, but the, you know that kind of pushes Yuri Rossell out of the lineup. Um, I think you're going to probably see Yotun go back to attacking midfield when he's back. Kleshin, obviously, attacking midfield. So um, I think that's kind of where we're at. It it is a lot of defensive midfielders. This team has (laughs) a lot of defensive midfielders, and there's only so many you could play unless you start playing guys out of position. But, uh, you know, we have seen in recent weeks Aguita and and Yotun and um, even Tony Rocha play more advanced positions. So... Uh, I don't know. Maybe right now, um, 
<laughs> James O'Connor's trying to make chicken salad uh, out of what he's got in the midfield. Um, since the attacking midfield has shrunk uh, dramatically with uh, the ineffectiveness in recent weeks of uh, Coleman, he, he does a lot of good things, but he's still dribbling into blind alleys, losing the ball. Um, you know, not quite as sharp in front of goal as you'd like. Chris, uh, Chris Mueller has hit the proverbial rookie wall. Uh, by the way, this thing drops on the 29th on Wednesday. It's happy birthday, Chris Mueller. <laughs> happy birthday. birthday, Chris. We don't mean to get on yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to get, I mean, it's just expected. I mean, you know, in college, you don't play that many games. And, you know, they have different substitution rules. You can go off and back on and that kind of thing. And, and it's not uncommon for rookies in MLS to to struggle, um, you know, with the with the workload, uh, with the adjusting to the larger workload. But he will, and he'll he'll be better for it. So, um given how much I mean he and he works when he's on the field no matter what else you say about him the boy works right you don't fault his effort that's for sure but then the other part of the attacking midfield of course was Miram going away again so um, you know attacking midfield has been a problem and that's I think why we got to see Pierre de Silva uh, the other night I think maybe we'll see a little bit more of Pierre because he didn't embarrass himself by any stretch of the imagination so um, maybe he'll give get some more minutes and get a chance to to grow and and see if he can prove himself at this level uh, heading into next year, because I think we can kiss the playoffs goodbye on the men's side as well as the women's side, even though it's not mathematically impossible at this point. But um, I want to say thank you to uh, Luke's 29 for that email or for that uh, tweet, that question. Uh, our own photographer, Nick Leva, Dave wants to know a few questions. First of all, Dave, uh, Nick wants to know what's up. Not much up. Not not much is up, Nick. What's up with you? Yeah, not much. Uh, nothing. Sup with you. That's our answer to question A, Nick. Uh, question B. What are the realistic chance of signing a big name this off season? <laughs> Chicharito. <clears throat> <laughs> um, uh, if we we're going with uh, whatever little uh, <clears throat> he has there, I, I would. I'm going to say no because that's the perpetual rumor, um, and it it shall thus stay perpetual. Um, somebody else, I do, you know, I don't know. This is not like uh, last time when we had oh, um, uh, Jason Christ, who we we at least had a uh, you know some some time with to know what it is he's thinking. Um, I, I was thinking earlier when we were uh, talking about the last question, how you know we don't even know what it is. O'Connor seeing what he's, you know, mixing around what he's trying to replace. So I, it's it's going to come down to whether he needs to, who, who he wants to keep, who he wants to get rid of. There's there's so many questions I have, and and as such, I have no answer for that. At least nothing that uh, I I would consider to be um, uh, worthwhile. Yeah, I think we'll see a, a signing, not not a Chicharito level. I think we'll see a, a signing that's a probably a name that we would know, um, but maybe not a huge name like. A Yuri Rossell type signing, maybe. Um, you know, certainly uh, we did uh, we did a question in Amiram last year, uh, <laughs> Dwyer the year before, and, and Yotun. So it's it's you know we've been seeing these types of names. I don't think you'll see anything bigger than those types of names coming up, but who knows? Um, but yeah, I don't think huge names are on the docket. But we're definitely going to see some movement in the off season. We have to have some attacking players in here um what else would, uh, can we answer for nick nick wants to know is pierre de silva going to get more game experience dave um yes 
I think so. I think based on his uh, 30 minutes or whatever he got the other night, I think he's probably going to see the field again. So I think it's a, a safe bet, especially with the lack of attacking options. Uh, he did have a nice cross, a nice uh, little play to get in the box and get a, a cross in. And finally, uh, best TV show of all time, Nick wants to know. Best TV show of all time. Yeah. Um, ooh, uh, I'm going to go kind of old school and say uh, MASH. That is an excellent, excellent choice. And, of course, Nick probably has never seen MASH. Probably he's a not. He's no. very young fella. <laughs> uh, he may have seen some reruns, but uh, I doubt that uh, it speaks to the youth of today, uh, a, a show about the Korean War. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was a fantastic show. Uh, I have, uh, I'm have. i a very category-oriented uh, guy, and I can't really say that a, a comedy or a drama is better than the other. But I, So I will give you my... My all-time favorite uh, comedy is Seinfeld. Um, okay. And my all-time favorite drama, it's really, really tough, but I might have to go Breaking Bad. Okay. I mean, yeah, like you, I'm sitting there going, okay, well, am I talking about sci-fi? If I am, maybe I'm talking about, um, you know, Doctor Who or Battlestar Galactica. They're there's it's that's a really hard question so well done nick yes good good questions from you nick i you know there's so many excellent uh, shows the wire was excellent um you know i it's it's really hard to pick one that stands above the others I, back in the day i was a big hill street blues guy sure so uh yeah a lot of good shows and right now actually too many good shows just finished i'm, I'm really glad that sharp objects just wrapped up because that was fantastic but i'm i've I've got too many shows, and now the fall season's going to start. Well, I was going to say Jack Ryan starts on Amazon <laughs> on Friday, and then yeah. a week from there we've got uh, season two of Iron Fist. So, I mean, there's there's stuff coming up. Oh, my goodness, Iron Fist season two. Oh, wow. Uh, a lot of people hated that. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I, You know, could it have been better? Sure, but um, I, I, I agree. I don't think it deserved all the hate that I got. I think it came on the heels of – of uh, Jessica Jones, and so that kind of hurt it because uh, Jessica Jones season one was phenomenal, um, and yeah, I, I, I think I think uh, if if you watch the first one, give give season two a chance. I'm sure they they took some lessons from what happened in season one. Let's hope so because I don't think they learned anything from season one of Jessica Jones or Luke Cage. I did not like the season two of either of those shows. Uh, I thought they were both a fairly sizable step down i'll agree with you on luke cage or, or on um jessica jones um luke cage season two uh, it, it, it might it wasn't a big step down luke becomes the godfather uh no i'm out okay i i i i i'll agree with you on the ending the ending stunk but the, the most of the most of the season was good uh I can't say that most of it was good. I certainly didn't need the flashback episode for uh, you know the going back to Jamaica. I didn't need that at all. Um, that that entire episode could have gone. There and, you go, listeners. Anyway, Michael and I don't agree on yes, everything. We don't agree on everything. But anyway, there you have it. And there's you know God, there's Game of Thrones. There's Better Call Saul. There's so many good shows. So many good shows. Yeah. Um, all right, Nick. Thanks for those questions. Um, Jim D would like to know: Are we are we now an, a counter-attacking team with no counter-attacking capability? I'm having a hard time defining OC's new identity. Well, 
I don't think you're seeing really what this team's identity is because I don't know that it has the personnel James O'Connor wants. Because, I don't know, maybe somebody, even on this podcast, may have mentioned that new coaches may not have what they need when they get here. <laughs> I think somebody might have mentioned that a hundred times or so when, you know, when uh, trying to keep the Christ out um, crowd at bay. Of course, we know from uh, what happened with Orlando City that Orlando Pride, all they have to do is fire the coach and they're golden. The next person will come in and everything will be wonderful, just like it has been for Orlando City. Yep. Uh, I kid, I kid. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the identity is yet, except for a team that really works hard. I think it's a team that um, seems to have, everybody on the field seems to have the green light to go and take space and to take uh, risks as long as they're calculated and everybody else sort of fills in around them. It's It's been an interesting transition, but I don't think the transition's done yet. No, I, I think the identity, like you say, is, is a team that puts in the effort. Um, but they're, whatever system or, you know, uh, we know that O'Connor, at least, you know, um, down in USL was a very attack-minded um, skipper. So I, I expect that we will eventually see that. Um, how he's going to implement that, you know, we just spoke about, you know, whether he's going to change up formations, whether we stick with what we got. A lot of that has to do with the personnel that he has right now. And then, as we mentioned, also, you know, who is he, who is he going to bring in? Who is he going to get rid of? There's, um, as much as I, I wish that uh, it would hit it all come together, it will give us stuff to talk about. So, mm-hmm. you know, there is, the, you know, for us, that's nice. Yes. Uh, our next question uh, comes to us. By the way, thanks, Jim. Uh, our next question comes to us from Elder Gorilla, not to be confused with Younger Gorilla. Hopefully, hopefully nobody thinks we're talking about Younger Gorilla when we read Elder Gorilla's uh, question. Or um, Magilla Gorilla. <laughs> gorilla for sale, baby. Uh, I see in the Orlando City Twitter world that the uh, season ticket holders and Society 21 members were saying that at open practice yesterday, you could clearly see who is working hard and who is not producing. Did you guys go, and what was your take? I will start. Uh, will answer that by saying neither one of us went. Uh, Dave lives in Tallahassee, and yep. I did not go. I was recording a podcast for uh, for college football season, and so neither of us went. And uh, I did not hear uh, that there that that was the case, but I can tell you at an event like an open training session of open to the public, you're probably not seeing what you would normally see on a you know Tuesday morning at uh, Sylvan Lake uh, Park. So I wouldn't read too much into that. Uh, anything glaring that says, oh, I get why the season went bad. No, uh, again, we didn't go, but uh, I've never, I've, you know, I, that's kind of the surprising thing to me is that anytime that I've been to training, and I haven't been as much as, uh, you know, a lot of the guys on the beat because I have a regular day job that I actually have, <laughs> have to go to. Um, I've never gotten that sense. In fact, it's been the opposite. This The team seems, you know, and I, I'm comparing this to years past. It seems like a more skilled team. It seems like a team that is um, appropriately loose, but not you know too loose, if you know what I mean. And yeah. it seems like a, a team that works hard and takes things seriously. And it, and it has uh, under Jason Christ, and it has under James O'Connor, uh, from what I've been able to see. So it, no, there's nothing that you could really see in practice that would lead you to think this team should only win one game out of 16. 
Sometimes in a season, and this goes for all sports as far as I know, to to win a championship, you need a certain amount of luck. You need a certain amount of breaks to go your way. Um, that's how that happens. Uh, it's very rare that any team is so dominant that they don't have to have that. Um, the flip side of that is occasionally you have a season where nothing goes your way, um, or at least part of a season where absolutely nothing goes your way, uh, whether it be, um, you know, Shots off the crossbar, bad calls from officials, uh, you know, injuries, doesn't matter. And I think there's been a, a massive perfect storm of that, you know, for Orlando City this year. Uh, you know, just looking at the number of, of center back pairings and uh, different guys that have seen the field and not in just a substitution role will tell you that it's it's not any one thing, but I think a, a whole smattering of many, many, many things that have gone against the team this year. Yeah. So uh, thanks, Elder Gorilla, for writing us and uh, letting me say the words Elder Gorilla a lot of times on the air. Uh, Elder Gorilla? You get to do that very much. Uh, Hector on Twitter says, uh, he has a couple questions as we wrap this up. Is Sané done for the season? Uh, I don't know, and I hope not, and I don't think so. There's still... A couple of months to go in the season. Yeah, I would. I, I, we've got no special knowledge on that, but uh, my my hope is that he does get back before the end of the season. Yeah, he's been seen in training more often recently, so that should be a good sign that things are starting to kind of come together for him. Uh, his Hector's second question: Any word on what happened after the DC game? No word. Uh, not a fight. Uh, probably some pushing and shoving, some heated words, as you would expect uh, from a frustrated team. Um, you know, it's normal locker room stuff. As far as I'm concerned, I've been part of a lot of teams and I've been around a lot of other teams and it's not unusual for, um, you know, teammates to go at it a little bit in the heat, you know, heat, uh, of the aftermath uh, of a match like that, especially the way it ended. So I would say, um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I wouldn't, uh, look into it and say, you know, that, that the team is fractured because of it. I wouldn't say that the team, um, you know, is out of control or, or at each other's throats or anything like that or any of the kind of things that you like, you know, that the media likes to drum up. Um, it's nothing nothing to be concerned about, and, you know, we'll probably never have the exact story. The people involved know it appears to be water under the bridge based on, you know, uh, you know, there's not people at each other's throats at training. So um, it looks like it's blown over, and uh, I, wouldn't too, I wouldn't put too much uh, stock in it. Yeah, it's much to do about nothing. Boys being boys. Um, but it's good to see that the team still, with this uh, kind of a season, still showing some fight, even if it's in, you know, uh, that it shows that they care. And that's yeah. kind of what you want. I mean, it's they wouldn't be at each other's throats if, uh, you know, they didn't give a crap. That's a good so point. That's a, that's a step in the right direction anyway. Well, that'll do it for the Mainland Podcast Ask TMLPC uh, segment. Thanks to those who send in questions. Again, you can do that. Email us by uh, sending your question to themainland at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. We are at themainland and uh, use the hashtag AskTMLPC. Dave, we're going to get out of here, but before we do, hit me with your key matchups for the Philadelphia Union and your scoreline prediction, please. Okie dokie. Um, key matchup is going to be who is in goal? Um is it Joe Bendick? Uh, do we see Earl Edwards Jr. come back? They they have got two stop balls going into the net, and um, my fear is if it's if it's Joe, then it's it's not going to happen. And even if it's Earl, it might 
still not happen. But um, I, I think that that that's going to be that's going to be a key thing. My score prediction until this team, I'm 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 on the uh, the Michael bandwagon now. Until this team can prove me they can win a game again, um, I'm going with a two-one loss. All right. Uh, key prediction for me, Dave, will be the uh, you know Matt kind of touched on it. Borek Dashkal has been uh, a real find for Philadelphia since he's kind of uh, found his form. I think the defensive midfield has got to neutralize him. I think Carlos Asquez will be asked to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's where my key matchup will be, and, and maybe Higuita will be involved in that as well. He'll be returning from his suspension. Um, and uh, let's see, um, scoreline prediction. Also, Yoshi will be back. That's kind of good. That's good. Uh, always good to have your best player back. I'm going to say, I'm going to be optimistic and say 2-2 two, two draw. Oh, my. I think that Orlando gets a boost from having Yoshi back, gets a couple goals, um, and, uh, of course, gives up a couple goals, and one of them will be ridiculous. Well, yeah, obviously. And and I mean that it could be in two ways. It could be ridiculous because just a horrendous play that should never happen or an awful goalkeeping blunder or just a ridiculous, like, you know. Giveaway right in front of the net, yeah. Or, or just like a ridiculous 35-yard drive perfectly <laughs> sure. placed inside the uh, upper 90 uh, or something like that. Because these are the kinds of things that have happened. Or it could even be a penalty awarded for a foul that's not a foul. Ooh, we haven't not, seen a foul that's I, not a foul I, in a while. I wouldn't put that past anybody, really. Anyway, we will be back to talk about it next week. We are not contractually obligated, but we'll do it anyway. Uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about the, you know, Orlando City against the Union. We'll uh, we'll look ahead to the next game. We'll talk a little bit about the U.S. Women's National Team against Chile, and we'll uh, preview uh, a little bit of the Pride against Sky Blue in the season finale. It'll be the last chance we get to talk about a Pride game before it happens, and uh, then uh, you know, one more game, the Pride will be done, and we'll only have one team left to follow. Oh wow. For the 2018 season. It seems like we just got underway. It really does. Um, God, this was a season to forget. Yes, I have already forgotten it. Yes. <laughs> Can we? <laughs> Please. The season the time forgot. Uh, that'll do it for episode 140 of the Mainland Podcast. Uh, please read our stuff at themainland.com. Follow Dave on Twitter. He is at Mainland Dave. I am at Mainland Michael. Give us a follow. Follow us, of course, uh, on Twitter at the Mainland, and uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, become our Facebook friends, and, please. Um, you know, and uh, of course, subscribe to this podcast and uh, write us a five star review. Nobody did that this week. If you write a five star review on iTunes for this podcast, uh, we, it boosts us, and we will give you a boost by reading your five star review on the air. So uh, please do that. So we'll wrap up 140 by, uh, you know, me saying on behalf of David Rowe, I'm Michael Citro, founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, signing off the way I always do by saying, go city and go pride.